Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. So take out your Bibles, turn over to the book of Matthew, and we're going to be talking about how can we continue to impact Louisville and the world in our lives. So we're over in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. David, I'm going to get cracker over your chair if that's okay. We'll pull this over here for now. Don't look at that. That's an illustration to come later, okay? You don't know that's there. All right? So Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 31. Now, I've told you all before, I'm a very impatient person. Uh, it, it doesn't help a lot. You know, uh, if I see a restaurant as a five minute wait, I'll drive around for 30 minutes to, to make sure I don't have to wait that five minutes. You know, I'm a very impatient person. So I'm at Costco the other day, but I'm not just at Costco. I made, um, a Costco decision that only a rookie makes. I went to Costco on a Friday. Now look, anybody been to Costco on Friday? Yeah. If anything is of the devil, going to Costco on Friday is of the devil. And I just needed a couple of things. Dawn said, pick this and this up at Costco. And I said, okay, I'll breeze in. So I breeze in. Of course, there's nowhere to park. And I start getting irritated as I'm going up and down the aisles. And so I finally park, I don't know, you know, Costco, what, three or four miles away from, from Costco. I get in there and I'm a little bit winded, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I finally get in there, get my two things. I walk around. Every register is as far back into the aisles as you can get. And I'm thinking, this is insane. Dawn doesn't need this stuff as bad. You know, nobody should have it. And so I do this thing is, first of all, I try to gauge. I, before I get into the line, I look around. I think, which cashier is moving the quickest? You know, because it doesn't matter the shortest line. It matters the quickest cashier. Okay, that's just a little tidbit for you later. And so I'm looking for the quickest cashier. And I said, okay, that lady's the quickest cashier. I get in line and immediately they change out a cashier over there. And man, this girl was moving it. And I thought, man, I'm going to get over in that line. So I kind of swear, it's a little bit longer, but I get over into that line. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going really, really well. Get about halfway up and they stopped. Price check. They didn't have a price. And I said, I can't believe it. Price check. So I go back over here to this other line and I get into it. And then they get the price check and that girl, man, she's going through. And when I got up into the line, the first two lines I had in, because you always figure out, okay, this person, that's who I was behind and you're judging it. I was, I was behind in both of the lines that I'd been in before. If I had just waited in the first line, I would have gotten through quicker, but I was too impatient to do that. Well, we're going to look into Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to see that Jesus talks a little bit about patience and what it means to truly be patient. Now, he's going to talk about something that in Matthew is described as the kingdom of heaven. And uh, without getting all theological on you or anything, let's just, let's just summarize kingdom of heaven and say it's this way. For you to bring in the kingdom of heaven on earth, it means for you to bring a little bit of the things of God, the things of heaven, down to earth. So the way you live, the things you stand for, the people you encounter, you're bringing a bit of heaven down to earth. So when you forgive someone that doesn't deserve to be forgiven, you brought a little bit of heaven down to earth in their life. So when Jesus is talking here about bringing the kingdom of heaven down, an easy way to understand it is this that, okay, what he's doing is he's bringing the things of heaven down to earth to a world that so deeply needs it. Now, 
There's only three sentences that we're going to look at today. And those three sentences are two different illustrations that Jesus tells. And uh, so we're going to look at the two illustrations, just three sentences long, and see what Jesus has to say about bringing the kingdom down and how that will impact our lives and all of those around it. The first illustration he gives is the illustration of a mustard seed. A mustard seed. Look down to verse 31. This is the longer of the two illustrations, so bear with me. It's two sentences long, okay? He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field, though it's the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. So he uses this illustration uh, of a mustard seed. He says a mustard seed's a very small thing. Got a picture here of a mustard seed. You see how small that mustard seed is. It's almost microscopic. You, you can barely see it when you hold it between two fingers. But that little mustard seed then grows into a very large tree. And I've got a picture of a mustard tree here. So that's one mustard tree. You see how it's all spread out. They can get up to 22 feet. Uh, and they grow fairly quickly. They'll sprout in 24 to 72 hours, and they will be fully mature in two to three years. So they grow fairly quickly, uh, uh, but not as quickly as you might like. Uh, so that little seed that you saw, that little microscopic seed, becomes this amazing tree. And Jesus says, well, now that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let's look at this now and think about it and say, what's Jesus trying to teach us? What can we learn from that that will help us to impact the life of the people that are around us from this illustration of the mustard seed? I think the first thing we can learn from it is the exact illustration I gave at the beginning. We need to learn to be patient, to be patient when it comes to the things of God. Again, most of us are patient people. We want things to happen Right now, all the time. So we decide, okay, uh, my, my neighbor needs to know God. Uh, uh, I'm going to try to lead my neighbor to God. I'm going to try to encourage him and be an example to him. So we walk across the street, knock on the door. He answers the door and says, hey. And we go, turn or burn. And he goes, what are you talking about? And you think, well, I tried. You know, I give up. Obviously, you know, he's not going to get saved. And we turn around and leave. We gave it our best shot. And he wasn't saved. You know, uh, and so we're not very patient. We don't see it as, as a big picture. We don't see it as a long haul. Yet in our scripture, what we're told, it's like a man who takes that little mustard seed and he plants it in the ground. Now, even though a mustard tree grows unbelievably quickly, it takes three years to mature. When you plant a seed into the ground, first of all, it disappears. You got to have some patience. Okay, I plant it in the ground. It seems to be gone. Then after a couple of days, it has a little sprout come up. Then that sprout gets a little bit bigger and it grows and grows. But there's an entire process that goes on through that. And we have to be patient in the process. And what you have to understand is that when it comes to the kingdom of God and working in people's lives and impacting people's lives, we have to be patient and work through it because people are going to come to God in their own way at different times. And we've got to be able to lead them uh, and not just push them along the way. But again, we want everything right now. Amazon.com. Amazon just announced that in some cities in the United States, they're now going to start having same day delivery. You order something on Amazon, they will deliver it that very day. 
Uh, that's going to be their new goal uh, for several of the largest cities. Don't worry, Louisville won't be one of them. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that's going to be uh, one of the goals that, that they're going to have because we want everything right now. But spiritual depth, spiritual growth, spiritual change in somebody's life doesn't always just happen, but rather it's a process. And so we have to be patient. We've got to let God work. I've seen it over and over again in people's lives. I remember a, a former church I pastored. Uh, there was a lady that came to church with her kids every, every time the doors were open, very faithful. Her husband wouldn't come for any reason. <coughs> then he started coming when the kids did something. So it would be the Christmas program. And one of the kids would be a, a donkey or something. So, uh, uh, you know, he would show up, you know, uh, for that. It was always friendly enough, but, you know, that, that was about it. Uh, then, then he went from when the kids would show up to if we did something special. Okay, it's Easter Sunday, I'll show up. And so he slowly, slowly began to work into it. Then one time he came to me, and uh, he's a little bit gruff, and he walked up to me, and he said, uh, Man, the, the front of the church looks awful. My people could have that thing landscaped in five minutes, and it would look great. And I said, Okay, do it tomorrow. And he goes, what? And I said, if you think it looks bad and they can fix it tomorrow, have them fix it tomorrow. And he goes, well, I will then. And I said, well, good. You know, we'll both be happy. So the next day he had trucks out there with all these people, man, they're landscaping the whole front of the church. The next thing I know, he's there on Sunday mornings. And before you know it, he's giving his life to Jesus Christ. But it was a gradual process. It wasn't something you could have pushed. It was slowly revealing and God working into his life until he came to that point. So you plant the mustard seed. It slowly grows into something that's amazing. We've got to be patient. We've also got to be patient with ourselves. Uh, sometimes we want to be perfect right away. Uh, you know, God, I want to be totally mature and know everything and, and, and be a spiritual giant. And I want it to happen tomorrow. And one of the things that we forget is God just enjoys the journey with us. Anybody here have children? Okay, that was just, we've got a counseling center, and that was just for you all to know that if you've got children. If you've got children, one of the things you've noticed is this. You probably have enjoyed every stage of life with them. You know, you think back, oh, I remember when they were little kids and learning to walk and trying to teach them to read and write. And then you enjoyed as they were growing up and the things that they were doing. Every stage in life is unique and different, and you've enjoyed every stage with them. And what you need to understand is that's how God is with us. We're always trying to get to the finish line and get somewhere and get the degree or, or get the driver's license. And God's just trying to enjoy the process with it. God just enjoys the journey that you're taking in your spiritual development. You've got to be patient with others and you need to be patient with yourself. So that's the first thing. We need to be patient when it comes to bringing in the kingdom of God. The second thing is don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise small beginnings. It would be one thing to say, man, that's just a little mustard seed. It's never going to matter to anything. It's never going to amount to anything. Let's just forget about it. You know, uh, it's not going to matter. Sometimes that's how we are in life. We miss God working because all we're looking for is the big events. And so we don't see God working in the little everyday things of life over and over again. You see, there is, there is ground that has, has been hard for years and God has suddenly brought a little sprout out of that ground. But all we're looking for is the tree and we miss the sprout that God's starting to raise up right there in front of us each and every day. And so, so we have to understand, don't despise small beginnings. Billy Graham keeps a letter that somebody wrote in his home church uh, to a friend of theirs. The friend had written them and said, how did your revival go? 
And he wrote a letter back and said, the revival wasn't a very big success. The only thing that happened was the grand boy got saved. Okay, now, that was actually a fairly big occurrence, I think, uh, that happened that day. But it was just a little sprout. Didn't seem to matter. Let's just pass it on. Billy Graham keeps that letter. Uh, Don't despise those small beginnings because that's how God works. is slow and steady, and it's that small beginning that we need to understand. I was out at Saddleback one time and Rick Warren was talking and he was talking about Sunday school classes and small groups. And he said, every Sunday school class should have an outreach leader, somebody that's trying to bring new people in. They should have a fellowship leader, somebody that's having uh, fellowships and making sure the class is enjoying being together and getting together and, and enjoying that time together. He said they should have a, a, a pastoral care prayer person that, that, that's praying and keeping up with what's going on in people's lives. And they need a Bible study teacher. And somebody said, well, yeah, you're at a mega church. What if I've only got four people in my small group? And Warren said, great. I'd say you're the outreach leader. Uh, you're you're the, the fellowship leader. You're the prayer leader. And you're the teacher. And somebody says, well, what if I just have one other person? He said, well, great. I'd say you're the fellowship outreach leader. You're the, you're the Bible study teacher and the prayer person. He said, look, it's not rocket science. So don't despise small beginnings, but realize God begins to work through those things. When I was in Virginia, uh, first went to the church, the church didn't have much of a children's group. As a matter of fact, Alyssa was the first baby born in the, in the, in the church. And like, it was like, I don't know, 750 years or something like that, you know? And, uh, so, you know, it was a big deal when Alyssa was born, but then it was like, after Alyssa was born, people in the church started saying, that's how that happens. And so babies start being born all, all the time because, you know, they, they had an example now of how you did it and everything. And so, so babies started being born. And uh, so then people start saying, well, maybe we need a children's ministry at church. You know, and so we said, okay, we're going to do it. And we had a lady got all excited. And she said, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold this big event during the summer. And uh, we're going to have like, uh, you know, slides and games and food. And so she got all these people involved, 20 or 30 people involved, did all of this work for, for over a month. We had the event and like nine kids showed up. And afterwards I was talking to her and she was really depressed. And she said, wow, can't believe we did all this for two weeks and nine people showed up. And I said, wow. You had an opportunity to touch nine people's lives. And if you keep doing it and you keep doing it well, people are going to want to come. Those nine people are going to tell nine other people. Next year, you're going to have 18 people. Next year we did it, we had over 100 kids that showed up because people saw something good, something consistent. Don't despise small beginnings. So when you're working with, with, in your life, when you're looking at the people that are around you, realize that anything that, that is drawing them closer to God is a significant victory. If all they're doing is saying, well, I'll think about that, or, or, or uh, I was pretty impressed with the way you handled that situation, or thank you for caring about me when I was down the other day. Those might seem like small things to you, but they're the beginning of those seeds, the beginning of the sprouting of faith in people's lives. So be patient and don't despise small beginnings. That brings us to the shorter of the two illustrations. It's only one sentence long in verse 33. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, uh, for the Lord's Supper, for the Passover, they used matzah bread. It was bread that didn't have yeast in it that didn't rise. And so it's just a hard cracker. Okay? Now, what causes 
dough to rise is the yeast that you put in it. Yeast is basically a single cell fungus. Okay, uh, it's a living organism. You put that yeast into the flour and what the yeast does, the, the fungus does is that it eats all the sugar in the flour and then it breathes out carbon monoxide. And when it breathes out that nasty carbon monoxide, it causes the dough to rise. Now, I know you're never going to eat bread again uh, after I've told you that, but it kind of, it's kind of a little gross, you know, when you think about it. But that's the difference. So Jesus has said, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. What's he mean by that? Something has called the flat nondescript to rise to something better. And he said, that's what the kingdom of God is going to be like. So what's he talking about here? What can we learn from it? The first thing is this. Your impact may start small, but God slowly works until it makes an impact. What happens with yeast is you've got to knead the dough. You've got to work it through it, get it all through it. And then all the dough will rise. That's what's got to happen in people's lives. You've got to begin to knead their lives. You've got to begin to work the things of God and things of heaven into their lives. So they begin to say, there's something different about the way they're living. Why are they patient with people? Why are they forgiving of people? Why do they want to help people? Uh, I remember one time... uh, we uh, had helped a lady in the church. Uh, her husband was an alcoholic. They had a, a really small rundown house. And during a storm, the roof had blown off. So several guys from the church came and, and literally rebuilt the entire roof. <clears throat> and so everybody had a job. You know, they were, they were putting on shingles and nailing boards. And, and I was getting people iced tea and stuff, you know, because we all, ha- we all have our work that we do in those kind of situations. And when we got through, her husband walked out and he looked at the new roof. And again, this man didn't go to church, wanted nothing to do with church at all. Uh, he stands there and he starts crying. And he looks at me and he says, I don't understand why anybody would want to come help me. That was that small beginning to work through that was causing to rise in him the kingdom of God. And so... That's what we have to do is begin to work that through in people's lives so that they can see God and see what God is doing. So think about different areas of your life. In your family, what are you doing in your family with your spouse, with your children, with your, with your in-laws? What are you doing to cause life to be better and the kingdom to rise because of the way you act and behave in your family? What are you doing at school? Or work. School can be one of the meanest places of all. Kids can be very mean to each other. You know, bullying going on, just the nasty things that are said uh, all the time. What are you doing at school to cause the kingdom to rise because of the words you say and the things that you do and the way you treat people and how you view people? What about your work and job site? What about at ball games? Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, Andrew played uh, every kind of ball you could think of your entire life. And I've seen some of the worst behavior I've ever seen in my life at ball games. And let me hear you tell you, the worst behavior happens when the kids are the youngest. You know, they, they can barely walk. You know, they're out there in upwards basketball and they don't know which direction to run or it's or it's a T-ball and they're running down the third baseline and parents are going berserk. They're screaming and yelling at the kids. They're yelling at the umpire. They're going totally crazy. And so everybody's sitting there thinking, well, yeah, 
I want what that guy's got in my life. You know, I, that, you know, I, I really could use that. I see the kingdom rising uh, in all of that. I was at one of Andrew's Little League baseball games, maybe nine, ten years of old age. One of the dads was standing behind the backstop. The ball would come in, and he would yell at his son, Don't swing at that one! Don't swing at that one! You idiot! Why did you swing at that one? And then he began to yell at the coach, He's not a second baseman! He's a shortstop! What kind of a coach would put him at second base? And I'm sitting next to another dad and he goes, Chip, I think you and I are going to have to take that guy back in the restroom and teach him a few manners. (laughs) And I said, you know, I need to be neutral so I can minister to everyone. Why don't you take him back in the restroom with my approval though and teach him some manners? Now, my point in all this is you need to be an example to other people. You need to bring the kingdom down. I remember Andrew's playing a ball game. Andrew, I'm sorry I keep using these illustrations. I remember Andrew's playing a ball game one time. Again, nine, ten years old. A kid on the other team missed a ball. We scored. I began cheering because a nine-year-old boy had messed up. And I saw his mom, and she's going, it's okay, baby. It's okay. And he went into the dugout, and he was crying. And I thought, I'm cheering because a nine-year-old kid messed up. And so I made a decision that day. I'm never going to do that again. I'm going to cheer because my team does something good, not because somebody else does something bad. And so you've got to look at what kind of an example am I giving? And so we see you have to slowly work through and people begin to see a difference. And that brings us to the last thing, and that's this. We need to realize that change comes from the inside first and not the outside. Change comes from the inside, not the outside. We're always wanting the outside. That's what we're looking for. Uh, I want your behavior to be different. I want your speech to be different. I want your, your, uh, uh, your beliefs to be different. And, and so what we look for is the outside. But what happens first is the outside never changes until there's first a change that takes place on the inside. You see, that dough doesn't rise until the yeast permeates it and something happens and starts blowing it up from the inside and then you see it on the outside. So what you have to understand in people's lives, what we're trying to change is not their behavior or their belief. We're trying to change their inside. We're trying to change who they are in here. And as who they are in here begins to change, Who they are on the outside will change naturally with it. And so sometimes we're looking at the wrong things. Okay, I want you to reform your behavior. No, I want you to see life differently and God differently and hope differently so that it causes your outside to change. And so we have to realize it comes from the inside and that's what we need to be looking for. Because until the inside changes, the outside will never change. Think about some of the ministries that we have here. Scarlet Hope Ministry. How does a lady working in an adult entertainment club, is the first thing we do walk in and say, I want you to change your behavior? No, they have to see who are these ladies coming in that love us and care for us and are serving us dinner and treat us like we're somebody valuable when the rest of the world treats us like we're scum. And something starts happening on the inside before something ever happens on the outside. When you look at something like the TAP school, we got letters from the TAP school thanking us for, for, for a lot of the different ministries we do at the TAP school. Uh, these 
these teenage girls that have had, had babies. And one of them wrote a note to the church thanking us. And the note said this, and it'll stay with me the rest of my life. It says, thank you so much for what you did for me and my baby. I thought after what I, would do, after what I had done, the church would only hate me. After what I had done, the church would only hate me. Is that who we are? You see, is that what we want? Because it has to be a change that occurred in your life when you didn't deserve it or you wouldn't be here right now. You're not better than anybody else. You're just forgiven sooner. And that should give you joy to want other people to have the same forgiveness that you have gotten in your life. And what a difference that will make. Small things make an unbelievable difference. Fred Lynn, a member of our church, passed away uh, a day or two ago. The funeral uh, was here. And then we went to Owensboro. Uh, He was a member of the church I pastor in Owensboro. Uh, And I never will forget, a very small gesture happened afterwards. Mark Lynn, his son, Mark, chairman of our finance committee, Mark walked up to one of the people from the church I pastored at Lewis Lane there and had had Fred's greeter badge. And it had Fred Lynn greeter Lewis Lane Baptist Church. And he walked up to one of the ladies and he said, I was going through dad's things the other day and I started to throw this away. And he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, it's just your greeter pin from Lewis Lane. And he goes, don't throw that away. I wore that when I was welcoming people when they came to my church. And so he took that little pen and he gave it to one of the ladies and she teared up and she said, I'm going to put it in my Sunday school class to remind people of what it means to care about others. You see, it's just a small gesture, but small things can have tremendous impact. Don't despise small beginnings because it's going to be through the small things that God's going to begin to sprout and that sprout is going to become a great tree. And even the birds of the air will nest in it. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us so much. Help us to realize, Lord, that we stand before you not by our own goodness, but by your grace. And Father, that should give us such a joy. And we should want others to have it as well. Help us, Lord, to help bring the kingdom in. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.